windshield wiper slapping time eyes holding Bobby's hand in mine we sang every song that driver knew freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose nothing don't mean nothing on if it ain't free and feeling good was easy loud Bobby sang a blues you know Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And here we are. On, that may be the, on the verge of this. may be some of the last times we ever say Yeah. That. Well, we might still say something like hello. Hello? All right. All right. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We might have a new voiceover we, intro We have the winner. Soon. The winner of the voiceover the contest. The winner of the voiceover contest. We like his work. We're gonna, we have some touch-up things to do, and then it's probably going to be coming through. So. But he has a... Yeah. So we're excited. So we we're are... Excited. Uh, we are We are continuing to... Whatever it is we do, grow, mutate. Mutate. De-evolve. Evolve. Evolve. Well, De-evolve. Yeah, Revolve. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot going on in the world, in our country. We might be starting World War III today uh, with our big, beautiful, smart. Smart, beautiful, new, big, beautiful missiles. Smart. These missiles are so beautiful. They come at you hard and fast, like stormy day. Like I came at stormy day. I mean, <laughs> what was, what was, you know what I what think was his alias? It's the that? most. Oh, Den, De, David Dennison. <laughs> you know what's probably the thing that frustrates him the most about this whole disclosure thing is when she's like, I, I mean, I wasn't coerced. I did it consensually, but yeah. I didn't want to have sex with him, and no, I was not uh, attracted yeah, to him. That's probably that's probably the thing that he wants covered up. <laughs> that's who he's going after for for perjury there. Of course, she enjoyed it. <laughs> yes, she perjured herself. I heard her fake that orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, my goodness! So there you go. World War Three. Paul Ryan resigning, or not resigning, but not running for re-election. Yeah, spending time with his family. With his family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in politics must fa- have great families. Yeah. Do all the people that stay in office have lousy families? Like, yeah. Is that the implication? Well, his family's all on K Street too. There. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Those, 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 his beloved donors. That's who he was to spend more time with. Yeah. So there you go. So uh, yeah, like on it, I thought. So we were batting around some ideas today. Most of them not mentionable. No, yeah, most of them not mentionable via text message. And my my proposal for our topic today was the the what did I call it? The, I don't know. He, the politics he, of freedom. I said. Yeah, the, yeah. He, the topic he, he was he rejected all my indecent proposals. The pro the 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 specific idea was the future of the politics of freedom. Yes. Now I have to tell you in the in the interest of full disclosure where this idea came from. On conversations with Bill Crystal, uh, Peter Berkowitz the Third was on, who used to be, I guess, at Harvard School for Government or something, and a pretty, like, you know, prominent conservative intellectual, I guess, um, for the past few decades. And this was their discussion was the the sort of the politics of freedom falling on hard times. And by the politics of freedom, they mean sort of classical liberalism, where you know, coming from that tradition of Locke, where you have this sense that politics should start from the premise that all people are free and equal. Right. And they contrasted, like, for instance, Plato or Aristotle, as key as they are to um, to both of their thought, would not be in that tradition, no. even though they inform parts of that tradition. Even the biblical tradition, 
Although it undergirds it with Genesis 1, you know, all people are equal, male and female. We're talking about. And yet, you, you wouldn't say the, the biblical politics always start from that premise. No, a matter of fact, I think one could argue that there's an apocalyptic ethic that gets re- reintroduced with Paul, the idea in Christ there's no male, no female, no slave, or free, or Jew, or Gentile. But it, it, is, it, is, the, it is the ethic of the, of the, of the uh, coming kingdom. I mean, for him, the kingdom was already right, yeah. coming. So, uh, you know, not some kind of strange dispensationalism. But it, it, uh, you're right. I think there's a sense where um, – uh, although, where would you put – I mean, the Passover event is a liberation event. And even, you know, in terms of part of the failure of of the you know, the first uh, – the monarchy and uh, part of the failure of when they received the land was their failure – was, you know, this is reflected on both in the rabbinical literature and other places – was the fa- failure for them who once were slaves to not share that kind of grace with, with others. I mean, the prophets railed against their oppression of the poor and – those who once were slaves became slave owners. Sure, and you could—I mean, you could be a Marxist and and be concerned about liberation, but you wouldn't probably be in the politics of freedom or in the liberal tradition, even though no. you might be concerned about. I mean, you could argue. Well, the, the, what we, we want what, you to be so equal, we'll kill you. <laughs> well, 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 what I mean, what country has lifted more people out of poverty in the last fifty years? China. China. I mean, yeah. it, n- certainly not a politics of freedom. That, no. that but. You know, there has liberative economic aspects, at least, for – so these things are, you know, not – I mean, the, there's an interesting relationship between these things. And so and you think of, like, Locke, right, in the second treatise, is it, like, where he talks about, you know – and he's writing in the context of the the increasingly incredible concept or not credible concept of the divine right of kings, right? This right. seems more – and so saying that nobody, by right, has a right to govern the people. So what kind of government – should we have? Well, we should have a government that ensures certain rights and protections for all citizens and one that, you know, has to be divided if it's to not be tyrannical and, and one that people have the right to seek a new form of government if the government, because the government is, is for the people, you know, not the people for the government idea. And so there's, there's the right of the people to seek new political arrangements when these things, basic things aren't safeguarded. Yeah, and uh, the fear of tyranny was not a, uh, a theoretical one. I mean, right, right. Over against, you know, the locks over against the absolutism that certainly, um, you know, many of the European monarchs, including what was going on in France, held to that. The restoration held to that idea of the absolute right of the monarch. And and one could argue that part of Locke's influence in this country, and I would, I would also, you know, you, if you say why did we have the kind of revolution that we had as opposed to the French Revolution – I would say Locke is an important part of that mix. Right? Oh, absolutely. As well as Christianity. Yeah. And people like Edmund Burke, you know, who's looked at as the you know father of modern conservatism, supported, I mean, was against the French Revolution and supportive of the American Revolution. He was also, I didn't realize this, he was lost his first parliamentary seat because he defended the rights of the Irish and that lost in the election. Hmm. So That's interesting. I didn't, yeah, know, I didn't, I didn't know that either. So yeah, I, I think you know. So it's interesting that that this conversation between Crystal and Berkowitz—they were saying, you know, it, the critics of the liberal tradition of the politics of freedom, you know, it, they would have seen a lot of this in past decades from postmodernism, relativism from the left. Now they think some of the critics' criticism is on the right. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that uh, Trump, on a, on a regular basis, equates uh, the rule of law with himself. Yeah. Which is exactly why we had an American Revolution against that kind of thing. King Trump. King Trump. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, the fact of the matter is that— We'll have the best monarchy the world's ever seen. A- Andrew Jackson could have stopped the Civil War— and Donald Trump could have stopped the revolution. If I had been king of England, we'd still have the British Empire. It'd be a fantastic empire. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we joke about that, but he continues to demonstrate behavior that he does not have any sense of what it means to be a nation governed by, royal, by law and not by people. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading this piece from, last, I think it appeared almost a year ago in the National Review by a guy named Samuel Goldman. Uh, who in the title of it is called is is there is a conservative crack up on the horizon, and he was saying that classical liberalism is something that is optimistic about the intellect and pessimistic about the will, right? Yes, he mm-hmm. says populism with its authoritarian strain, like Trump, is pessimistic about the intellect and optimistic about the will. Yeah. So okay, you you we're gonna do some strong arming for the good to recover something. So you, right. you you phrase like a golden age loss. I mean this is why Or you lie. You lie all the time. It doesn't, <laughs> or you just truth, lie. truth doesn't matter. I mean the man lies every day. And and people don't seem it you know, people just kinda say, well what was the uh, something remarkable. I mean Pruitt, all the corrupt things he's done and some said, well, he is implementing the president's agenda. Yeah, right, 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 right. Right. And, and you, and he is, I mean, if you look at somebody apart from what you think of Pruitt's views on politics, science, like he is one of the people actually that as an administrator actually is getting things done. I mean, yeah. he's very. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, the oil and gas industry have got their man. And so, yeah. he's, and so you know, who needs all, who needs clean air anyway? And but, water. But it's interesting, you know, B- Bannon's original candidate, dream candidate was Sessions. And he told Sessions that you, you, know, you probably can't win the general election, but I think you could win the nomination. And his thought is he could steer a nationalist populist you know, trajectory for the Republican Party. And you know, for people like Sessions and Bannon, immigration, the massive Im- immigration in the 20th century, you know, th- th- these things change the sort of Judeo-Christian good old days. And, you know, that kind of, you know, we got to get back to a golden age reactionary stuff again kind of fuels a sort of authoritarian populism and, 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 again, a sort of illiberalism. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think in terms of we – and, I, like, I think we've said this before. Uh, I think you've said this, that the founding fathers envisioned that you could possibly get a despot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. But they didn't envision uh, the other branches of government sitting Just by. Just sitting, yeah, sitting by and watching. Idly I mean, yeah. y- you know, and what's interesting, too, is you think about – in the days of the founders, you know, if the vice president is this succeeds, but that's not always your, you know, that's the person that's second. So you have a divide. But now, like, you have somebody in, in Pence, like, you know, again, we were talking about this on the Facebook Live sort of warm up, but like, why wouldn't you just say, look, I, we don't disagree with many of the things the president's doing if you're a Republican, but if he fires Mueller, if it's as serious as everybody says, we'll have to move to impeach. Like, we'll just have to do that. Like, you know, we don't want to do it. We'd rather not do it. He should, because that's the sort of thing. It's not a constitutional crisis, because Congress has the power, if he oversubstantiates like this, to immediately drop articles of impeachment. Yeah, and you have a guy who they probably like more anyway, and Pence. Right now, yeah, you wonder how much of this is. I mean, I'm again, I don't, I don't just don't think Americans are 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 organized enough to have a good uh, conspiracy theory, but it would feel like 
we're heading in that direction, particularly if, you know, what's interesting, everyone, well, not everyone, but people who could make a difference, the Republican establishment, have ignored the fact that if we f- actually do see his tax returns, or if we ever do find out what he's doing with Deutsche Bank, then he probably should be in jail. It's probably what's part of the thing. I think I'm, I'm you know, that's, so the fact is that stuff kind of gets ignored. He'll escape from jail, though, because if he's got an orange jumpsuit... With the orange skin, it'll be like a chameleon. He'll just kind of he'll like blend. <laughs> he'll blend in. He'll just like he'll be the invisible man. It's just like it'll confound the color spectrum. No, he's probably already writing up the. He's pardoning himself. <laughs> oh yeah, because oh, yeah. he's done that every day of his life. Exactly. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcasts projects i've got in the works so i invite you to be a patron through patreon of this which i think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy again any contribution is welcome but for five bucks a month you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call which begins right now thank you david babico ellis brazil david zoll sari graham peter steigerwald samantha blythe David Norling, Charlotte Donlin, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Cress, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Michael Butera, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Andrew Stravitz, and Jennifer Underwood. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting, too, that, you know, two other criticisms, sectors where, you know, the liberalism is, is critiqued, is, you know, and they talked about this in this podcast. I'll link to the podcast. It's an excellent conversation. With, you know, Alistair McIntyre, you know, this the sort of, in, in his wake, people like Stanley Harris, like our friend David Fitch. You know, there's a critique, a religious critique of liberalism that it's it's all rights, no duties. It's all it's all freedom gets reduced to consumer choices. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is is just you know a life of consumption and mm-hmm. and it's corrosive, right? I mean, like that's one critique. Mm-hmm. Another thing, my new friend Chris Kurtana, who writes these little weekly newsletters, is very interesting. He wrote one about China. and was saying a lot of people like the Devos crowd. You know, the, it's like wow, look at China. I mean. Look at how effective it is economically. And there's almost a – it's interesting when you look at how effective their economics are for a nation that's increasingly developing more rapidly as opposed to like how inefficient democracies look right now like in this country and in England with Brexit and things like this. That There's a cynicism about liberalism and the politics right. of freedom because you, you – the, the autocratic thing of, well, look at how efficient this is. So I mean I think that – and they and they have they have a hierarchy. A lot of those people come from a hierarchical, religious, theological position as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean there's yeah. There's a sense where you can. I mean, it's um, it's you know those those branches of Christianity where there's there's strong authoritarian tendencies and uh, headship and uh, you know that there's authoritative approach. As a matter of fact, even you know 
How many of these kind of megachurch situations, these independent congregations? Again, now the, again, I'm not arguing the, for the for the benefits of connectionalism or denominationalism, but these a lot of these churches are just little fiefdoms. Yeah, yeah, and people are fine with that. Yeah, yeah. Molly Worthen, I recently argued something like that in a, in a piece in the New York Times a few months ago. I think we're talking about this evangelical culture and how this how almost this fiefdom thing almost sympathetic with someone like Trump because you have all this kind of fiefdoms and authoritarian sort of stuff in, in certain segments of American church culture. Oh, absolutely. And it's very, it's very male-dominated. And, 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 uh, as is this podcast, two males and a bunker. I'm not sure we're, are we dominating? <laughs> we're, we're, we're dominating this bunker right now and well-lit doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, so this, I'll tell you, I, this troubles me because I do think the liberal tradition for all of its problems. And, and it, I think it it is... And again, you know, I think just to remind people, when we talk about the liberal tradition, we're not talking... The, the left wing of the Democratic Party. Right. We're, we're talking, again, this kind of Lockean Enlightenment sense of... Kind of what the American was founded upon. Yeah, the American ideal. Yeah. This is kind of... That government should exist to protect individuals and individual rights you know, that they should be democratic and liberal. That, that you know, this is, in, for instance, in the Arab Spring, you know, we see that, like, you can have a democratic election and wind up less free than when right. you had a dictator because it's not a liberal democracy. It's just majority rules. Right. And and in a liberal, in the liberal tradition, it's the idea that there are certain inalienable rights that it doesn't care, it doesn't matter if 100% of the populace wants right. to get rid of, or 99% wants to gang up on the 1%. You can't the do li- that. Yeah, liberal democracy protects the minority. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that 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 government should be about the protection of those sorts of rights and dignities. And Matter of fact, we, if Donald Trump would not be president, if there wasn't that kind of protection built into the Constitution. Yeah, and also the, the idea, right, and also the idea that things like the market, religion, the civil society should be, to some degree, you know, there's always regulations, but to, to, to the degree that they can be, to be places where there's free exchange, because they, ultimately these things that human flourishing and more problems will be solved when there's more freedom in these sectors. You know, and, the, and again, this is where globally you see people skeptical of that. Well, you know, certain China looks really efficient on these things. and this. So I, I find this stuff troubling. Uh, and, and, and again, I think it might be helpful. Why is libertarianism also frequently contrary to the liberal democracy ideals because i think it is i think that some of the because it is it almost has a sense where it absolutizes the individual whereas a liberal democracy does see this as the best way to promote the good society yeah and i also think the problem i think with libertarianism on one and, and most libertarians would count themselves in the liberal tradition and and we could argue i mean you could say like they're extreme you could say maybe libertarian is one extreme pole the french revolution might be another extreme pole right, right? right. where where you know you want to impose new community from the top down rather than community and connection and tribes, right. but I think like part of the challenge with libertarianism today is we're in such an interconnected world right. that I think libertarian ideals work probably better in a simpler, more disconnected world right. because my freedoms, you know, like like state governments, right? Like you know, with pollutants and things, well, states' rights and stuff, like. Citizens of one state can be right. dis- disadvantaged by corporate abuses right on the border. I mean, the, these things, you know, oh, look, yeah, at, sure, look at the fracking stuff and, and water things that oh, happen. Oh, yeah, you know, the, you, yeah, what's happened to the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so I think on one level the, there's a sense in which libertarianism probably 
looks at individuals in too much of an atomized way. Right. Yeah. It's a problematic that uh, people – it might be okay if you're out in the middle of Montana and you have an arsenal. But if you're if you're in a housing development, <laughs> right? No, that is that. I think that is actually a real, I mean, valid point. Like that, it is. Social arrangements are different when there's not as much proximity, right? You know, when you have dense, densely populated metro, which you know, I think eighty five percent of the country lives in cities. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. Yeah, I mean you know, I mean this is so. I mean I think that that yeah. I mean I think that that sort of you know. There's a kind of libertarian critique that I think is a little extreme. I think that, again, there's an authoritarian critique. And, and I think there's economic critiques and religious critiques, all of which I think, like, the liberal project is worth saving. And I think it's the – I mean, I think, you again, you could – in this conversation with Berkowitz and Crystal, they were like, well, you could – there's all sorts of ways you could organize politics. Freedom wouldn't have to be your organizing principle. But most of the ones we've seen in in, in modernity – that have tried other premises haven't worked so well. And this is the thing that, you know, it's funny because you have millennials that, it's like, what, like all, 35% or something don't think it's important to live in a liberal democracy. That's astounding. One yeah. in three. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And I also think what's interesting, too, is, I mean, for the last month when John was in hospital, I drove by the Independence Hall almost every day on my way to Jefferson. And it just it just constantly reminded me that this is an experiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> we talked about future, but at, Je- at that parking garage at Jefferson Hospital, it has each floor is marked by one of uh, Benjamin Franklin's virtues. And I think I posted on Facebook from where I'm seeing right now. We're zero for seven right now. <laughs> <laughs> at least this current administration is zero for seven. And I think um, you know, particularly in opposition against tyranny, uh, a commitment to a free press. Uh, commitment to tolerance. Uh, those are all things that are very important parts of of um, of a free society. Yeah. And that does and by nature, because of human nature. Again, Locke didn't have a high view of, of human nature. No, I, again, I think that phrase that Goldman says, you know, optimism about the intellect and pessimism about the will. That that over time, reason, you know, and discourse can produce good results. But 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 it's not it's not naive about self-interest the the depraved nature of the human condition and the fact that you know it, it often will take time for the truth to win out yeah i actually think that's why a good christian humanism is a good partner in this something and i mean i mean classical christian human like thomas aquinas that would be thomas aquinas never lost his doctrine of original sin but uh but his 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 belief of what a sanctified mind can do what an, what what the gift of mind in general but what a sanctified mind can do i think is is part of what helps us to think about incremental um, progress. Yeah. 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 All right, baby. Freedom is not free. No, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Fine. But, well, actually, we might not be far from being no, that free. <laughs> I think let's not go Chris Christopher. Yeah. So let's, go, uh, but, let's go Crosby, Seals, Nash, and Young. Find, yeah. Find the cost of freedom. And, you know, again, I to, and I said this. You know, one of the things I continue, I've, I've buried a lot of World War II veterans, some of them who died from their wounds 50, 60 years afterwards. And um, they fought against things that we are taking, that we are being very casual about right now. Oh, absolutely. This is some of the arguments, you know, it's interesting, some of the arguments for this millennial stat. And I think this is persuasive to me is that with the fall of the Soviet Union, the sense of, you know, having this 
superpower that was so ideologically contrasted post-World War II to the United States really made a kind of common interest right. among citizens you know, around communism and that totalitarian kind of... Both liberal Democrats and conservative Republicans. Yeah, could right. Really, you know, yeah. you had Nixon and Kennedy. I mean, very yeah. similar in communism, their idea. You know, like... Or, or Hubert Humphrey. Yeah. So you, you... So I think that... Those kinds of things, you know, the, you know, the sort of historical amnesia around things like the totalitarianism that faced in the Second World War and in the Cold War, I, I think, yeah, lets you take a lot for granted in the world. I don't think we should let a playboy with a bone spur undo what thousands of Americans shed their blood for. Yeah.